Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Episode 105, Andy discusses government debt and borrowing. Currently, there's a lot of discussion about debt. If you look on social media, if you watch the news on television, Invariably, at some point, you're going to hear or read something about debt, whether it's the debt ceiling or the debt problem that we have as a country. Somebody is talking about debt most of the time lately. And in reading some of the responses to these comments on social media, it's pretty obvious to me that a lot of people don't really understand debt and how it works uh, when you apply it to a country like the United States of America. So I thought I would spend some time talking about debt and borrowing money and why the United States government has debt and how the United States government borrows money. This sounds like something that might be of interest to you. Stay tuned. Let's start off by defining what debt is. Have you ever had to borrow money? Have you ever found yourself in a position where you either wanted to buy something or needed to buy something, but you didn't have quite enough money to do it? If you have ever borrowed money from your friends or from family members or anyone else and promised that you will repay them at some point down the road when you have the money, that makes you indebted to that person or that entity, if it happens to be a bank, for instance. Uh, you're indebted and you have to pay it back or you should pay it back. That is what they call debt. Debt is money that a person or an organization or a government, a business, whatever, owes to someone else or another organization or another government or another business or whatever. And Typically, the person or the entity that borrows the money has a certain amount of time to pay back that money, usually with interest, which is an additional amount that you pay to use the borrowed money. Now, in some cases, if it's a close friend or if you borrow money from parents or something like that, a lot of times they're not going to set a definite time when you have to pay them back. Very often, they're not going to charge you interest on that. But if you borrow money from an organization or a business or a bank or something like that, in order to make it worthwhile 
for that entity to loan money to you, normally they are going to want to charge you interest on that, which is a percentage of what you have borrowed. Usually there's a time frame when they want it paid back and the interest is automatically kind of figured in to the amount that you're going to have to pay them back, which will be more than what you borrowed, of course. And the sooner you pay them back, the less you will owe them. So that basically is how you create debt. You are borrowing money from someone or something else with the understanding that you owe this money back to them. And as a consideration for them loaning you this money for a certain period of time, you're going to agree to pay them a little bit more back than you borrowed to make it worthwhile so that they actually make a little bit of money on allowing you to use their money for the period of time that you had it. So why do people or businesses, organizations, governments have debt? They have debt because they want to buy something or they need to buy something, but they just don't have enough money to pay for it at that particular time. And very likely it's something that can't wait if it's a need, for instance, a business need, maybe a computer crashes and needs to be repaired, or maybe something else has happened, something that needs to be repaired that that wasn't anticipated, it was something that couldn't have been expected or budgeted for, and it's needs to be fixed right now, maybe an electrical problem in their office building uh, that they own. And it has to be fixed. And if there's not enough money in the bank to pay for it, then you have to borrow money so that you can pay to have it repaired now. Sometimes adults will borrow a large amount of money to pay for a house because they need a place to live, need, a, need to provide shelter for their family. Maybe they need a new car or they have to pay college tuition for the kids or very often medical bills because that is certainly a huge expense for a lot of people today or unexpected home repairs. Credit cards are also a form of debt. So if you go to the store and you buy something and you pay for it by charging it on a credit card, you have now created debt and that debt is owed to the credit card company which is normally a savings and loan or a bank and you have that debt until you pay your bill and once you pay your bill it's considered paid in full and you have eliminated your debt now Normally, credit cards will allow you a particular period of time to repay the debt without any interest. 
And the way that they can do that is they receive a percentage of what you bought, the total cost of what you bought from the merchant. So if you go to the grocery store and you spend $100 on groceries, for instance, the grocery store has an agreement with the credit card companies to pay them a certain percentage of your total bill as like a merchandising fee or whatever, which uh, means the credit card companies are making a little bit of money up front on everything that you spend on your card. And because of that, if you pay it off within, usually it's 20 days, 25 days, something like that, before the end of the billing cycle, they, then there's no interest on it. And that's a good way to save money if you can afford to, to do that. Businesses will borrow money to help uh, sometimes to pay employees or to buy things like, you know, buildings so that they can have an office or computers, uh, other large purchases. Maybe they need to buy a lot of materials to make something. That is how debt is uh, created. And that is why it's created is because there is a need for something or a strong desire <laughs> for something right now. And maybe you have some of the money to pay for it, but not all of it. And this is a way to allow you to get things right now, even though you don't have the money. For businesses, very often they will justify the expense by saying, once we get this, it will help us be more efficient or it will help us create more revenue. So in the long run, it will pay off, but we're going to need to go into debt right now in order to make it happen. And they'll usually justify it by saying, it's better to go ahead and borrow the money now so that we can get started rather than waiting and trying to save up the money to buy it and not have to borrow. So that is how, that is the why of, of, of why people and businesses and governments have debt is they need something and they need it now. And that is the best way for them to get it at that moment in time. Why does the United States government specifically have debt? Well, the U.S. government is basically very much like any business. The government has to provide services to the people of the United States, and that includes things like uh, military protection, education, health programs, the space program social services, and the government also has to buy supplies and equipment. And in order to do that, sometimes the government may need to borrow money for the same reason that everybody else does. It needs something right now, and funds do not exist to pay for that right now, or if they do exist, it might put constraints on other areas of the budget if they spent all of the money at one time. So they go ahead and borrow money so that they can get whatever the need may be taken care of 
and then they pay the debt off plus interest down the road. So why would the government not have enough money to pay for something? Well, let's take a look at how the government makes money because the government has income just like every other entity does. And the government's main source of money is in the taxes that it collects from individuals and businesses. And there's different kinds of taxes. For instance, there's an income tax. This is money that people pay to the government based on how much they earn from their job. Sales and excise taxes. This is money that people pay to the government when they buy things. So if you buy a car or if you buy groceries or if you go to the store uh, shopping for school clothes or school supplies, uh, stuff for your lawn and garden, anything that you purchase like that is going to have a sales or excise tax applied to it. And there are corporate taxes in some instances. This is money that businesses pay to the government. And again, it's based on what they earn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the, the amount of money that the government spends to pay for the services and the products that it may need to basically take care of the country um, can be more than the taxes that it collects. So when that happens, to make up for that difference, the government borrows money. So it goes into debt in order to take care of whatever it needs to take care of at that particular point in time. So when you read or hear that Congress has cut taxes for a corporation or for the people of the United States, what that means is the government is agreeing to basically lower its, its uh, income. This would be the equivalent of, you know, for instance, uh, if a store has a lot of jeans, for instance, that they aren't selling and they need to clear them out of the stock room. They can throw them out on the sales floor and they can lower the price on those jeans, which means that maybe they'll sell them a little quicker, but they won't be earning as much money on those jeans as they would. So they take a loss in income in order to get rid of them. So the government doesn't really cut taxes for that reason. Usually, the excuse that we're given is that, uh, well, we've heard from the Republicans quite a bit over the last few decades that if you cut taxes for the wealthy, they're the job creators, and that's going to stimulate job growth. So basically what they're trying to say is if you cut taxes for businesses, and if you cut taxes for wealthy people who own businesses, that alone is going to create jobs. And unfortunately, that's not really 
accurate because no company goes out and creates jobs because they got a tax cut. Generally, jobs are created because there is an increase in demand for supplies or services. And in order to meet this increased need, they have to bring in more people to handle the additional responsibilities of providing that product or service to people. That is what creates jobs, not tax cuts. So when you hear Congress talk about cutting taxes, you need to understand by doing that, they are cutting the income that the country has coming in. And anybody that says they're cutting taxes should understand that that means there's going to be less coming in, which unless you find a way to greatly reduce what is going out, you're going to run into a problem, and that is going to be an increasing debt load because that is the only way you can continue to provide the same level of services to the people without drastic cutbacks is you have to borrow the money. As I mentioned earlier, when a person or an organization or a government or a business or whatever needs to borrow money, they would often go to some other entity. If it's a person, you would usually go to a bank or a savings and loan or maybe friends or family. But how does the United States government borrow money to pay for things that it doesn't have the money to pay for at the time that it needs to buy something. That is where the U.S. government is a bit different from individuals and businesses. When the government borrows money, it doesn't go to the bank and apply for a loan like most people or businesses would. It issues debt. And what this means is basically that the government sells treasury marketable securities like treasury bills or notes or bonds and treasury inflation protected securities to other federal government agencies or individuals or businesses sometimes state and local governments will buy these things from the federal government and that includes uh um Things like, uh, for instance, uh, savings bonds can be sold to individuals and corporations, organizations, associations, public and private uh, entities, fiduciaries, and other entities. And these treasury securities, for instance, let's just say savings bonds, generally uh, work by People will lend money to the government so that it can pay its bills. And over time, the government gives that money plus a bit extra back to those people as payment for using the borrowed money. And this extra money is what we call interest. 
So when you're buying a savings bond, you, let's say, spend $100 to buy a savings bond. And at some point down the road, that savings bond will mature. And at that point, it's worth more than the $100 that you paid for it. That is because the government is basically thanking you, I guess is a nice way of putting it, for providing them that money to use at some point in the past. And now they're going to give you that money back, plus a little extra for all of your trouble. That's a way of saying thank you, because the government's kind, right? <laughs> so... Basically, in simple terms, this is how the U.S. system of debt works. The U.S. Treasury issues or creates the debt. There is a Bureau of Fiscal Service that manages the government's debt. And what it does is it keeps records, it takes care of selling the debt, and handles paying back people who loan the government money. The U.S. Treasury and the Bureau of the Fiscal Service do not decide how the money is spent. That is the legislative branch of government, which is Congress, House of Representatives, and the Senate. Uh, those two chambers of Congress decide how the money is spent. And there is typically a maximum amount, a maximum amount of debt that the government can have. This is known as the debt ceiling, which is what you've probably been hearing a lot about in the news lately. And in order to raise that amount, the U.S. Treasury has to get Congress to approve a new and higher limit. So that is where we're at right now. This is, this is the issue that we have at hand. So let me explain what has led us to come to this particular point in time. Let's go back a couple of presidential administrations. Let's go back to the George W. Bush administration. Now, George W. Bush, I can't say he won the presidency because he didn't. He lost to Al Gore, but the United States Supreme Court gave him the presidency, despite the fact that most of the American people voted for Al Gore. That's a different subject, though. So one of the first things that George W. Bush did when he took the presidency from the Supreme Court is he gave everybody a tax cut, okay? And the reason he was able to do that is the previous administration, which was Bill Clinton, had done a really good job with money and everything was in really good shape fiscally. Lots of the, the balance sheets looked pretty good. Everything was in good shape. So George W. Bush decided uh, he would uh, thank everybody for, I guess, allowing him to occupy the White House, even though he lost the election by giving everybody a tax cut. Now, he tended to favor his rich friends, 
more than anybody else, but everybody got a little bit of a tax cut. Okay. So right off the bat, the government knows that it's going to have less money coming in as income because the taxes, the tax rates have been cut. Well, you would think that that would pretty much require something else to be cut in order to make up the difference. I mean, if you're working a job where you're making $50,000 a year and you're able to live comfortably on $50,000 a year, but then you lose that job or you decide that you want a different job, but it doesn't pay quite as much. Let's say it only pays $45,000 a year. Well, you've got a $5,000 shortage right off the bat. And that may not seem like a whole lot, but when you still have bills coming in for a $50,000 a year salary and you're only making $45,000 a year, it creates a problem and you're probably going to go into debt. So that's the problem. And that's why there is a debt ceiling put in place because it says you can, the, the government can spend this amount of money, can go into this much debt. But when you hit this number that has been set, you cannot create any more debt unless you, one, raise the debt ceiling or lower your costs to the point where you can drop down away from that debt ceiling. Of course, the time to lower your costs is before you hit the debt ceiling, not after. Once you have hit the debt ceiling, really the only option is to raise the debt ceiling because you don't have time to cut costs at that point. And considering the fact that the um, legislative branch of government, the Congress, has already approved all of this spending, it's kind of like, well, yeah, we said we would spend all of this, and we knew that because we cut taxes and because we spent all this money, at some point we would hit the debt ceiling, but now that we're hitting it, we don't want to raise it. That's kind of like being a deadbeat, basically. So going back to George W. Bush in uh, 2001, he cut taxes. And then you may recall that we had a terrorist attack on September 11th of 2001. Worst terrorist attack on American soil in the history of our country since, since then and before up until then. And you might recall that not long after that, we went to war against Iraq. Iraq didn't attack us on September 11th. That was mostly the Saudi Arabians, but we didn't go after them. I guess because the Bush family was friends with the Saudi royal family. Seems to me, I remember reading that there was some sort of a relationship there. Anyway, <laughs> we went after Iraq because we were told that there were weapons of mass distraction and that uh, Saddam Hussein, who was the big hotshot in Iraq at the time, 
was determined to use these weapons of mass destruction against the United States, which we now know was bogus. Well, when you go to war, all of a sudden your in your costs increase, right? Because all of a sudden you've got to activate a lot of people in the military who might have been uh, oh, like in the reserves, and you wouldn't normally be paying them that much. But now all of a sudden you got to cough up bigger bucks to pay all of these people, and you got to have money to move all of the weapons and the equipment and the tanks and the personnel over to where you're going to fight the war and you're going to have to order more stuff from the defense contractors. So your costs go through the roof and you've got to borrow. You have to create debt. Not a good thing to do right after you've just cut your income, huh? Does that seem fiscally smart to you? Doesn't to me, but it has happened. This is what George W. Bush, a Republican, has done. So this war in Iraq has cost trillions of dollars. We've lost lots of lives. Uh, American families have been destroyed. People are living with handicaps and all kinds of things. And uh, wasn't really very smart to do that. And since then, we have had a situation where the last Republican president in office, Donald Trump, in 2017, with, I think, z pretty much zero support from the Democrats in Congress, passed more tax cuts, okay? And they were significant tax cuts, mostly, once again, benefiting wealthy corporations and the wealthiest Americans. And those tax cuts were made per permanent, but... For the middle class and the poor and the working class, their tax cuts were smaller than the big ones for the wealthy people, and they were only temporary. And those tax cuts have basically cost the American people around $2 trillion in, in debt because they've had to, we've now had to borrow money to continue to supply services and continue to function in the absence of this income that is no longer coming in. Does that seem stupid to you? Probably does. It should, because that's kind of like saying, uh, okay, well, let's see. Um, I have this $50,000 a year job and I spend about 40, we'll just say $48,000 a year and I put $2,000 a year into savings. And I live comfortably. I don't uh, have to worry too much about uh, surprise expenses with putting $2,000 a year in savings year after year after year. I've got a little bit of a nest egg built up. And so everything's good. And then you decide, eh, you know, I think I'd like to take this other job, but it only pays $45,000 a year. So, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take it because I'll be okay for a little bit. 
and you take that job. And then you've cut your income because you're only making $45,000 a year. You really need $48,000 a year. And then you go out and buy a new house that costs more money than the one that you were in. So now, instead of needing $48,000 a year to pay your expenses, and you're only making forty-five, dollars you now need maybe fifty-three dollars or $54,000 a year, and you're only making forty-five. dollars So all of a sudden, you have a lot more debt. Does that seem like a smart thing to do? Probably not. And the thing that is interesting about this is a lot of Republicans in Congress will criticize the American people for living beyond their means. And they will say, well, they're stupid. They don't know how to budget. Well, those folks who are saying that need to look in the mirror because they're doing the same thing to the government's budget that they're accusing these deadbeat, stupid American people of doing. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. I hope I explained it in a way where it is logical. I tried to use um, words that everybody would understand. Sometimes you watch stuff on TV like CNBC and they start talking about stocks and equities and bonds and you know the such and such market and and speculative spending and all of that and you're just like what the heck are they talking about anyway this is supposed to be easy to understand and i hope it is easy but this is where we're at right now we have uh mostly republicans cutting our income which affects all of us And it has a positive impact on overwhelmingly mostly the wealthy people and the big corporations that are doing pretty well. So the question that the American people need to ask these Republicans that keep promoting tax cuts is, why are you cutting our income? And where are you going to make up the difference? Because What they're trying to do is they're trying to take money. Of course, they're now denying it because they know that the American people are against it. But what they wanted to do is they wanted to to cut back on Social Security and Medicare. Because those are two really, really big expenses that the government has to pay every, every year. And the thing about it is, is that money that they want to cut or the benefits that they want to cut, that money is not money that belongs to the government. It wasn't paid to the government as income like taxes are. It is money that people are paying the government for their own, It's kind of like an insurance policy, basically. You are allowing the government to take money out of your paycheck every time you get paid and put it aside for Social Security and Medicare so in your old age that serves as insurance, okay? 
It's not an investment. It's insurance. It's guaranteed to be there when you need it most in your old age, because that's when people start getting sick and they need health care. They may not be able to work, so they need to have money coming in so that they can pay their bills. Of course, the problem is that Social Security has not kept up with the cost of living at all. And everybody on Social Security, unless you're already wealthy and you don't depend on Social Security at all to pay your bills, everybody who's on Social Security is probably finding it pretty tough to survive right now. And of course, Medicare uh, only covers 80% of your medical costs because, again, the Republicans insisted that American people had to have skin in the game, so to speak. So they wanted the, the people to pay 20% of whatever their medical bills were going to be. And, of course, medical bills have gone through the roof right now. And none of this stuff has been adjusted properly to take care of the increased costs. And one of the reasons is because, well, we don't have enough money coming in. We can't afford it. We can afford a war that's going to cost $2 trillion. We can afford to keep cutting taxes, which is basically cutting our income. But when it gets down to it, we can't afford to increase your Social Security or your Medicare, we can't, we can't afford it. And the reason they can't afford it is because they're cutting taxes. So I hope that helps you understand the situation. And you may have to listen to this a couple of times. I'm going to listen to it before I publish it. And I hope it's clear enough that I haven't confused you <laughs> more than uh, you were before, perhaps. Or if you thought you understood, but now you don't, I hope I haven't said something that makes you think, wait a minute, this completely changes my opinion. Anyway, I will check it for accuracy before I publish this. But next time you hear someone on television talking about tax cuts or talking about the debt or talking about how we can't afford something, you need to understand that chances are really good the person or the people that are making those comments are probably the ones that cut the income, that increased our debt, that are now saying we can't afford to do something because they cut our income, that increased our debt. Get it? Basically, the American people need to start holding these jokers responsible for what they're doing. And you need to light up the phones in their office and tell them, we know how this works. And we know your participation in making this mess. And you're not going to clean this mess up on our backs. No more. You go to the people and the entities that you have given money to in the form of tax cuts year after year after year after year, and you tell them, guess what? For the last 40 years, you've had it good. Now it's time you start paying your fair share because we cannot take anything else from the middle class or the working class, and the poor certainly cannot afford to have anything else taken from them. In fact, we need to start pumping some money into 
these majority um, classifications of people because they'll spend the money. And when they do spend the money, there will be an increase in services and demand for goods, things like that, which means the big businesses and the wealthy are going to have to hire people to make up for the increased demand, which means it trickles up. Doesn't trickle down, folks. It trickles up. And the same people who are on television and on the social media right now telling you we can't do this and it's been, you know, this debt is is horrible and we've got to do this. You need to understand they're the ones that created the problem. You need to let them know that you're aware of that and that you expect them to fix the problem without hurting the American people any more than they already have. And that means they got to go to the people that they have given all of these favors to over the years and tell them it's time to cough it up now. You owe everybody else. So you may wonder why is all of this stuff of such interest right now? Well, the main reason is our politicians, our public servants that the American people have chosen to represent our best interests in Congress, have acted foolishly in the past. They have cut our government's income by cutting taxes. They have not cut spending in many instances, but have increased it, especially things like the military budget goes up every year. And now we're at the debt ceiling, and they don't want to raise the debt ceiling because they think that it's a way to extract uh, concessions from the Democrats that the Democrats do not want to concede to. And the, the thing that I have heard is Social Security and Medicare. I have seen, literally seen, literature printed by Republicans, by the Republican National Committee or the senatorial, Republican senatorial organization, whatever that's called, uh, saying that they want to sunset these programs every five years. And uh, that means basically end them and then vote them back in again, theoretically, which, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you don't loan your lollipop to somebody so that they can lick it and then promise to give it back to you because chances are pretty good. They're just going to take it and stick it in their mouth and walk away, right? So the problem right now is that the Treasury Department this week has issued an annual bottom line financial report that shows the current path that we are on as a country financially is unsustainable. Cannot be sustained. We can't continue doing the same thing that we're doing. 
Also, the Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, which is a nonpartisan entity that provides facts and figures to members of Congress, regardless of party, there's no slant or bent to the information. It's just the facts, ma'am, has said that interest rate hikes are going to make our ballooning national debt a lot more expensive to finance in the future. And in the next few years, we are going to see that just paying the interest that we owe on this debt, you know, the the, the people that uh, have loaned us money, interest is going up. We're having to pay more for borrowing. We're now going to see that interest payments alone eat up a larger portion of our income, our tax revenue. And the prediction is that by 2033, which is just 10 years down the road, the United States could very well be spending one-fifth of its annual revenue on debt interest. We're not paying off the debt. We're just paying on the interest. That is bad. And they are predicting that the interest payments alone on the national debt could exceed $1 trillion a year by 2029. Think about that, 2029. Uh, That's uh, six years from now, folks. Six years. So right now, out of every tax dollar that the United States has coming in, out of every dollar of income, We're now spending 13 cents on interest payments, okay? That's just on interest. We're not paying down the debt. We're just paying for the debt that we've already borrowed. This is the interest, thanking, you know, thanking people, entities for letting us borrow money from them, okay? 10 years from now, that is expected to increase to 20 cents. So that means for every dollar of income, we're only getting 80 cents out of it because the other 20 cents is going to pay interest. And again, we're not paying off any debt. The debt is still sitting there and it's continuing to grow because it's adding interest on every month and we're paying interest but we're not paying off the debt. Do you see how that is a cycle that is unsustainable? So this should serve as a wake-up call to everybody. So how do we fix this? Well, uh, again, I think we have to get back to basic economics, and I'm not an economist. I did take economics when I was in school. I went to public schools most of my, most of the time. I did go to private schools some, 
But in my opinion, the way that this is going to work is right now they're going to have to raise the debt ceiling, period. Because if the United States defaults on its debt, our credit rating, which just like everybody else has a credit rating, if you go to borrow, borrow money to buy a house and you're looking at a, I'm just going to say a $100,000 house, which in most parts of the country would probably be not that great of a house. Um, going to borrow $100,000 for a house. If you've got a great credit rating, you can probably pay pretty low interest on that, which would mean your house payments would be lower. But if your credit is not so good, you're going to be considered a higher risk and the bank or whoever is providing you with this mortgage is going to charge you a higher interest rate, which means your monthly payments are going to be higher and you're going to be paying more in interest every single month than you are, you know, you'll, you, the principal will still drop a little bit, but most of what you're spending it is going to be interest. And that's the way they uh, do it a lot of times is they is in the beginning, you're paying a little bit more on interest than you are on the principal so that you can continue to build the interest. It's a, it's a real scam, folks. And again, it's the people that you're electing to go to Congress to represent you that's allowing this to happen. You're getting screwed and the people that are smiling at you when it's time to get your vote are not working in your best interest. They're working in somebody else's best interest, but they still want your vote. You got to stop voting for them and tell them, no, I'm going to get some people in there that are going to do what's best for me now for a change because the wealthy have had favorite, um, um, favorite treatment <laughs> for a long time. You've given them greater consideration than you have me. Now it's time to even the playing field a little bit, okay? Anyway, that's how it works. So you're going to have to get rid of the people that are not willing to do what's right for you. And the majority of the Americans are in the middle class and in the working class and poor is grown as well, unfortunately. So the solution is we've got to raise the debt ceiling so that we don't have higher interest which already, as we can see, is a problem right now the way it is. We don't need to make it worse. So all of this stuff about raising the debt ceiling needs to just stop. The Republicans need to shut up and they need to raise the debt ceiling. And that'll get us down the road a little ways. And then they're going to have to look at the taxes that they have cut and cut and cut and cut and cut going back decades. And we're going to have to make sure that all of the businesses, all of the corporations, especially the ones that earn these huge, huge amounts of profits, net, net profits every quarter, they're making huge amounts of money, almost so much that you can't even visualize how much it is. They're going to have to start paying more taxes. And so are the wealthy. The people that have the savings bonds and all of these things that I mentioned earlier about how the government borrows money, a lot of wealthy people own that stuff. So 
do you see who you're paying, who the government is paying interest to? It's going to those wealthy people. So they don't have any reason to want to see anything change. And they've got all the money. So they are contributing all of that money to your politicians who are cutting their taxes which is lowering the amount of income the country has to operate on. And they're still spending more money. They're adding to the debt. And then somehow they want you, Mr. and Mrs. or young man, young lady, America, to foot the bill. It's a scam. And you have got to get these people out of office. That's the only way we're going to fix this. It is unsustainable. We cannot continue doing what we're doing. And when you see these people on social media or you see these people on TV complaining about the debt, remember, they are the ones who created this mess. And they're looking to you as the source of money to solve it. And they don't want to change anything. They don't want to raise taxes on the wealthy. Oh, no, 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 because that would hurt them, the politicians, personally, because the wealthy would say, well, gee, since I'm having to pay more taxes and you're raising my taxes, I'm not going to have as much money to donate to your campaign going forward. So you see, it's kind of like blackmailing. It is an evil, dark circle of corruption is what it is. And I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible, and I'm going to end this right now. And I hope that uh, you will share this uh, on social media with friends and family who maybe don't get how all of this works. And we got to do something to, to change the way these people think. And I think the only way we're going to be able to do that is to change the folks in Congress and get some people in there, they're going to do the right thing. And one of the things they're going to do is they're going to look at money in politics and they're going to put a stop to it. And then they're going to look at the wealthy and they're going to say, you guys have had a nice long ride at everybody else's expense, but the ride is over. You have reached your destination and you will now have to pay your way going forward. I hope this helps. Please, please share it. And we've got to get the word out. And this is one of, my, one of the ways that I can do it. So help me get this message spread around on Facebook and, and Twitter. I, I'm on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook right now. I'm considering opening, maybe starting a group on Twitter. Or I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, on Facebook. Not sure. Anyway, that's down the road if I do. Thank you for your time. I hope you have a great weekend, everyone, unless you have other plans. The next scheduled episode of Federal Andy will be tomorrow. That is Saturday, February the 18th. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Mm-hmm.